Hey everyone, my name is Suds. And I'm Sabrina. Welcome, Welcome to, to Zero, Zero Calorie Marketing. Marketing. Today we're joined by Sarah, who's the CMO of Favora. We learn about her huge house. We learn about how she manages to deal with all the things that she does in her workday. And about the importance in taking time out during a busy work schedule. And also how what you studied at university may not be necessarily what you'll end up doing uh, later in your profession. Let's begin. Could you tell us about who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. Well, it's great to be invited to be with you today and have a conversation about digital marketing and other things. I uh, work for Avora. I joined about six months ago and I'm the Chief Marketing Officer. Wow. Wow. Okay, let's go with this question. Who is Sarah Perry in a nutshell? Well, I'm going to talk about what I think I am. Sure. Whether yeah. that's how I come across. I hope, I hope, it, I hope people see that. I think I'm very caring, I'm very passionate, I love breaking new ground, I love sparring ideas and being creative, I'm very natural so nature is very important to me, I love to be in the fresh air, I love the mountains, walking by the river, the sea, I need that definitely and I think I come across in that way and I work very hard because I I think what you put in is what you get out, get out yeah. and I just don't know how to, to do it no. at 60%, so I think I try to be like that in my personal life and my working life. I think I could have a better life balance. I definitely think I have probably too much energy in work, mm. and that's been one of my things I still haven't cracked, but um, five days a week you spend working, so I yeah. also am really mindful that you don't want to be just looking forward to your weekend and your yeah. holiday. I think that is, for me, that doesn't connect. Mm -hmm. So I'm somebody who wants to you know, make the most of my time and value those in my life. And that includes my family, um, my friends, and, and, and my team and colleagues. So um, I, you know, I'm a team player. I, I like to be part of things. And mm. I hope that that's what other people feel when they're with me. No, I, I definitely think so. And I think when you had mentioned like breaking new ground and change and adapting, it sort of made me think, just from the little research that we did, the, the bit of stalking, if you will, <laughs> um, from the years that you had been with your previous companies, do you think that you sort of sought out change or as in moving on to your next sort of this is a new discovery for me, something I want to grow. Mm. And is that how you sort of came to change within companies? Or? Yeah, it's a great question. I think with different reasons for each company move. Okay. So the one I talked about already, and the longest period I did was eight and a half years at Nortel Networks. Mm. And that was a fantastic grounding to really learn enterprise and carrier business, B2B, really understand telco, at the time, the company acquired a data company and we were a manufacturer, so we really built technology on voice over IP and that was a very exciting period to be part of that. But it was also through you know, 2000 with the change that everyone thought the whole world was going to end and, <laughs> and then it was all the market fell yeah. and the, the drama that that brought. And then, of course, Nortel had its own story, which I still very, feel very sad about in mm. how it ended up. Sure. But... For me, I thought I can't be institutionalised. So at the time, I thought I've, I've done my time here. I need a change, 
And I also had had some burnout from overwork and learned that lesson in my late 20s and it was a great lesson for life. So after that, I sought out an opportunity and it was actually through a recruiter and I ended up thinking, I want to do something different. But I, even though I'm not super technical, I love technology. Yeah. And there's a place for creative people to help communicate that and yeah. tell the story and, and be creative around that and make people feel good. And so I thought this is where I can bring something to technical technology and technical people. So then I went to a storage company and this was NetApp, and we were wanting to grow to the first billion of NetApp. Wow. So this is a while ago now when we see what it is doing today. And this was a great journey. One of my reasons for leaving is because I did um, a maternity leave cover mm -hmm. and really enjoyed running the UK in that role. And I'd been hard to really do part marketing and build that, which was great fun. But when you have a taste for something, sure. you think, actually, that's really interesting, I'd love to do a little bit more. Mm. And I also didn't want to find there was any kind of conflict or, mm. or challenge. Um, so I left and the person who I worked for, the CMO I worked for, remembered me and recommended me to another role. And um, that I should, have, I should have said that there was a role in between because I was leaving, uh, content management role came up at Vignette and I thought this could be really interesting. This at the time the company had a brand that was the Rolls Royce of content management. Ah. I'm not sure enough of the innovation was sustained to really warrant that, which I didn't quite realise until I got there. Mm. And we had some really great clients, but at the time I thought, well, this will get me into software, so I'll come away from hardware, kind of hardware software with storage, and try that. So I was there for three and a half years. And the reason I then left is because a role came up from the CMO I previously worked for and said, this is a brilliant culture, this is a great company, and this is success factors that I'm talking about now. Yeah. And he said to me, you know, you love the culture of NetApp, this is pretty close to that. Okay. And so I interviewed for that. I didn't actually join at the time. I joined, I think, a year later, and it came back round. I wasn't ready, I, th I don't think. Mm. It came back round, and I thought, this is fate. You know, I can be a little bit hippie, the stars are aligning. <laughs> no, I feel I like I should be here. And, um, and then I joined, and I loved that journey. I could, could connect, because I'm a people-oriented person, and I really respect HR and what that can do and how that can empower people. You know, truly good HR, it can be fantastic. And um, so I was really into the idea of what we could do and we had cloud technology and it was really exciting and there was a bit of fun competing with Salesforce and what Salesforce were doing and they were doing a brilliant job of that. And then we had the fun of competing with a work day and so that competitive environment was really interesting as well as what the technology was going to do. Mm. And um, so that was success factors and then we were acquired by SAP and after a year of talking about cloud and starting that cloud journey within the company, there was a point where I felt I need to be back in an environment which is very dynamic, growing another, ideally another startup company, because I'd had a little bit of the excitement of yeah. that growth of four and a half years, and then being back in a big corporate, and I thought, I don't think the big corporate's for me. Oh, yeah. And um, and then ServiceMax came up, which is again through the network, um, because as the older you get, you realise it's actually a smaller world than you think. Mm. and. So I started it at ServiceMax, and that was also through the Success Factors network. Mm. And the CMO at the time, I didn't have the chance to work with the Success Factors, but I did um, join ServiceMax. That was one of the reasons. And 
she's now back as the oh. uh, head of customer experience at ServiceMax. It's been on a bit of a journey, but I, I was looking for, leaving there, I was looking for another startup opportunity, I thought, but I wasn't sure. I'm a lot older and I thought, I think I haven't got the energy for that, not yeah. a third one. And also, I don't want to be the unlucky pebble. You know, you've managed to do too well because ServiceMax got acquired mm -hmm. by GE and I was part of that whole journey with the team. So I wasn't really looking, but I was approached and then I met Ricky, who's mm -hmm. the CEO of of Aura, and that's been the last few months. I wanted to ask, was there any fear with the, trans the transitions that you took from, from starting something new, especially a startup? Or yeah. was it kind of like, I'm just going to do this and what happens, happens, and I've got confidence in myself? Or Oh, it's such a good question. <laughs> There's always fear. There's still fear. Um, I think you have to be pushed out of your comfort zone, like it or not, if you really want to grow. And I think it's hard feeling confident about yourself all the time, mm -hmm. if you're a humble person. I really admire anybody who just knows they can do it, but I, <laughs> I'm somebody who's taken a while to, to believe I can do it. I think I can do it, but believing and thinking and doing are different things. Yeah. And I think some of it is experience, some of it is people believing in you. I was very lucky to meet um, some of those CMOs. I was very lucky to meet them and be given the opportunity and I had some some very good managers and some very poor managers mm. but I learned an awful lot from the poorer managers and everyone's doing their best I get that but you know you, I think managers are there to help remove obstacles mm. give you wings empower you inspire you I think that's really exciting management so um, if you've got that you have less fear because they're behind you and with you yeah and if you don't have that, then you're kind of on your own, still trying to work it out and questioning, am I doing the right thing? And I think that that's quite tiring if you're you know, a thoughtful person. I appreciate some people don't think maybe too deeply and just do it. Yeah. But I also know there's an aspect of me where I sometimes do something and I think, wow, if I had actually known what I was getting myself in for, I maybe wouldn't have done that. <laughs> and I think sometimes you just don't want too long on a decision because you know, you can regret it or you can maybe not make the move. And mm. so I think you've got to apply what's right for you. But for me, I, I um, yeah. Um, I have a, a question going back to what you just mentioned earlier. Um, you know, like, what gets you out of bed? Is it a case, you know, like, may not necessarily be for your current role, but what motivates you in terms of, you know, crushing the competition or solving a problem? What motivates Or does, you know, for you yeah. to have a, do you need to have a competition for you to get, think, oh, this is the thing we want to beat, or? Oh, yeah, I see what you mean. Um, no, I don't think you do. I, I mean, I'm somebody who's very driven, so I will set, you know, small targets, big targets, have a vision, work back from that, have the milestones. I can put that kind of stuff in place and feel like I'm achieving something or the team's achieving something. And I, I, I think I have a big picture kind of personality in mind and I have an operational mind in the sense of how that might come together it requires a lot of people uh, you can do it so much individually but you know as a, as a I, I'm not sure I love the expression but it takes a village it is true it does sometimes take that mm -hmm. so um, I don't need it but I I think it's fun and I've always loved the David Goliath concept and I've often been in the David situation and I think it's 
really good to be able to just think creatively about what you could do, mm. be stronger than you are, not lay down and say, well, that's just how it is. And I think that can be with or without competition. So the David and Goliath analogy is definitely applied when it's being the competition in, in a job and, mm. you know, mm. be aware of who else is out there, what they're doing. But you don't want to be defined by it. You don't want to copy it. Sure. I, I like to be... I love it when somebody thinks you might have had a good idea and they start to think in that way right. because you sort of feel like you can't be getting it too far off. Mm. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but, you know, people understand the concept and going with it. And that, that has occurred mm. in some of the projects or companies I've worked in. And yeah. that's not just down to me, but that's the kind of thing where I think it's really interesting. But I think participating is really important, so I'm not worried if I don't finish first and have the gold medal mm. and all the recognition. I think part of it is the experience you have yeah. with other people. And, 100%. You know, when, when I, I found management really, really interesting when you see how much people can do when you believe in them mm. and you empower them to, you know, just bring out the best, help yeah. them with the areas that they need help with. We've all got those aspects and that for me is really exciting so um, yeah it's amazing what you can achieve I think. And, and would you say that um, with sort of like the competitions that you had maybe with competing with a role did you find that there were struggles with um, like male dominance and sort of the working environment being a female a woman how did you sort of um, work around that sort of inequality if you will or did you yeah. even have any or was it fairly? Yeah definitely Definitely there is, still yeah. is, and has always been. But I think there's inequality on both sides, actually, if you're oh. really honest about it. So it's not easy being sometimes a woman in a technology environment because it has historically been dominated yeah. by men. Yeah. I think, you know, that's understandable in the sense of how history's played out. Yeah. What you might have been drawn to you're certainly defined sometimes by, I mean, we see, I love it when you see little girls saying, I love the story of Lego. We don't have any role models. And then Lego responded and just immediately created it. Yeah. It was, it was a really obvious point, but it was just a wonderful reaction. Mm. And it took someone brave to stand up and just say, you know, and it was just honest, out of the mouths of children yeah. come the truth. And I love the fact that cor the corporation listened. Anyway, I think for sure there's been... A challenge in being heard sometimes and you know women can be perceived often as I think in business you somebody once said to me you find women who nurture and you have kind of the opposite who don't really help women and I think women haven't helped women enough sure. I think so too yeah. I think that's been quite difficult mm. so it's not really entirely down to a man or a woman, I think this is just the nature of how things have been. Mm. But in terms of how I've tried to handle it, I mean, I've often been the only woman in a leadership team. Yeah, in a room. Yeah, and on one hand, it's complimentary that you have a voice at the table and it's not that picture of the poker game and you're not let in. I think it's in yeah. the, is it the Thomas Crown Fair or something. I, I laughed a lot at that moment. <laughs> Of, of kind of being kept out and I, I didn't really feel like that but some of the challenges are women need more words you know you you just need to express yourself you, you're more emotional you 
you think and feel, you want to get things done. It's, I don't want to be broad brush, but I think that's a lot of qualities a lot of women have. And that can be very complimentary, but it can also, if it's imbalanced in number, it can also be a little bit probably tiring to be with. And equally, it can be frustrating. You don't have maybe that with you as well. So you yeah. haven't got your twin in the room or somebody that um, just gets, that's just how you're thinking. Yeah. It's just how you are naturally. And mm. um, there's a difference. And so I, I think it's learning how to fit in a bit, say a little bit less, but be more, have better content and respect that's how it is. There's many qualities I absolutely love about how men handle business. And I have always appreciated being able to not be too emotional and also being able to kind of pick out the salient points where, you know, I might have had more to say and then my colleague might have played back to me. So basically what you're saying is this. I'm like, yeah, exactly that. (laughs) And I've always appreciated that. But I've appreciated, you know, being accepted for who who I am and working with that. So there's a point where you've got to earn the respect and the trust, but I think that can happen regardless of what sex you are. And, of course, there's a debate now as to how we define that as well. So it's really, I don't think anymore I would see it, I wouldn't see it so much as men and women anymore, I would see it more as the type of individual and personality Personality, that you've got to deal with. Which is how it should be seen. I think it will be more and more, and I think, I think, you know, we've got a, we're we're a colorful species, let's say that. (laughs) So I feel like we, we, we have to figure it out, you know, wherever you're from, whatever you do, whatever background you've had, however your personality has come about, I think it's having room for people and being tolerant and working out how best to come together and and shared values, attracting like attracts like, that stops becoming about, you know, bones and skin. It becomes about, you know, heart and passion and getting stuff done and working out how to do that. So I don't know if that gives you... The answer no, you're looking uh, for, but yeah, but yeah, it's, you know, I, I can relate to a lot of. I can understand the Me Too campaign very, very well. Um, I've had my own journey on that, so not to make it a big topic because I'm not sure how I feel really about that campaign. I think it gives voice, but I think it's also alienating yes. yeah. a lot of people. Where I've had incidents where things have occurred, but it's actually been a man who's been the one that's. Yeah. been by my side and, and help resolve it. Yeah. And so I, I, that's why I feel There's not a lot sure of how I feel about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there is. But it, it's important to stand up for, yeah. you know, people and things that shouldn't be happening and why are they happening. But things do happen, they're still happening. And if you don't talk about it, Nothing's then nothing will change. Okay. So, you know, <laughs> I don't want to make it a big, heavy topic or yeah. uh, offend anybody, but I think it's... It needs considered thought and action and acceptance and, you know, just trying to learn from history and move on. We've got so many historical so examples many. where that, you know, has occurred and... and Funny how it continues, though. It repeats itself. And then yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. Um, going from what you've mentioned, um, if you could go back and talk to yourself when you were at um, uh, university, yeah. you just graduated. Mm. Um, but you could say to yourself to do something different, meaning if you could do something else from what you do now, yeah. what would it be? 
from obviously from what you've experienced, what you've yeah. gained, your knowledge. But I could tell. What advice would you give, and what what would you advise yourself maybe to do? Yeah. As a career, or just how in I approach life? life? In life, yeah. with, it, with everything, I suppose. I can be too serious, so I th and worry worry too much, and care too much. So I think not saying I'd give up caring, but I, I think you can. I think I Certain can drain myself too much in that because I, you know, I, if I make a mistake or if I upset somebody or something doesn't quite go right, I don't just say, oh, sure, fine, you know, move on. I do think about that okay. and care about that and carry it. So I think I would say to myself, you know, you could you can lighten, lighten up a little bit on some stuff to be less hard on yourself. And I've definitely had that played to me a few times of be less hard on yourself. So I think I would have done that. And um, I could probably be a little bit more spontaneous in my life. I'm quite a balanced, reasonably measured, but, you know, like to surprise people sometimes because I think I'm not always what people think. And um, so I, I think that's, a nice thing to have explored maybe a little bit more of. Yeah. And um, whilst I didn't want the burnout, it actually taught me an awful lot. So I was pretty mm. young, I was only 10 or so years from university. <coughs> but I, you know, I think some of the times you just have to learn the hard way. And learn I did. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you talk about the burnout, yeah. from that sort of time in your life, how did you then start to change in terms of getting a balance or maybe looking at certain um, job prospects or maybe even assignments, tasks in a different way to sort of give you peace of mind or not ensure you end up back on that same track or? It's a really good question. I, well, for sure you need to be the obvious stuff. You definitely need the exercise, you need the right diet. And I've always been good at the diet and I've always been pretty active. So, but I think I let some of that drop. So I think I did too many hours of work, which impacted how much time you had for, you know, I, I always would, I'd always have my five a day. Yeah. Um, so this was something I definitely never dropped. But I can't say I did regular yoga or Pilates or something that was mentally good for me and physically good for me. And so the burnout brought me to that environment. And I love both yoga and Pilates for different reasons. Um, so I think this was important. And... And also making time, not being too tired for stuff at the weekend, because I think I, whilst it's an office-based or you know, business-based, it's not like outdoors all the time, sure. you, it's draining your brain, I think, mm. and in my case. And that's tiring. It's not physically tiring, but it's mentally, mentally tiring. tiring. Yeah. And you're also you know, you're with people all the time, and I need a little bit of time out yeah. because you know I always know if I'm getting a bit impatient that's time for a break that's usually where I've just had enough yeah. and so I think knowing your body is really important I know I mean I will always have a little bit of pain in my body but nothing that's dramatic it's just I don't have the best posture and I had a repetitive strain injury which we didn't really know too much about in the world uh, at the time I mean I I'm dating myself but you know Email and internet happened when I was my <laughs> early 20s, so nobody really knew the, 
the consequence of all this keyboard device work and you know the way you sit at your desk and having a headset and just basic stuff and so you know knowing the signals in your body is really important and it's so those these were some things I I figured out and kept with me occasionally I slip <laughs> but I usually know I'm kind of yeah um, so this is going sort of really into sort of micro um, um, your best friend has decided to launch a new business yeah and they've asked you advice on marketing what's the first thing you tell them to do or maybe first three things they should do oh wow let's say they're a florist for example oh yeah what well, well what advice would you give to someone going into like the marketing industry or field or who's starting their business and the top three things. You cannot be hire me. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I cannot. I'll do this for you. I love that. <laughs> Which would be lovely for a florist business. Um, you've re for me, I think you've really got to understand and care about your customer. Mm. Is for me the number one thing. The experience they have, how, you know, if it's technology, how they work with the product, for example, if it's flowers, you know, what it, how it makes them feel. Did you listen? Did you make some suggestions? That kind of thing I think is really important. And then that would manifest itself through the different things you might do for the customer. You know, is that a brand I want to be associated with? Do they stand mm. for something? Where are they going? And should I partner with them? Because there's a lot of choice out there. So I think you need to be able to represent yourself mm. well to the kind of clients you'd like to have and build that community and loyalty. And in the end, customers can talk about you and it's so much nicer to hear from your friend or your colleague than ever it is to have an email that you haven't wanted or stalked on the internet unless it's appropriate you know this stuff you know what I mean it's, it's lovely when you get I love it when you get a good LinkedIn message where which is actually or how we came together yeah. it was really nice to just have a connection of not too pushy but just it would be really nice to just have a chat about what we do. And I appreciated that. I've, I, so I think you've got to think about how it, if you start, I, I loved, you asked about a book at some point in this podcast. Mm -hmm. And the book that really impacted me when I was younger at school was To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. It's, it's just classic. a brilliant book. And I don't know if it was the first time this was said, but I really <laughs> loved Atticus's advice about standing in the shoes, but walking in the shoes, not just trying them on, you know, and looking at them. And that stayed with me. And I think that's how you should approach your business is, you know, think about how people want to react to you. And, and then you can, from there, work out the best way to do that. So if you've got quite a few customers, you could start thinking about, depending on the business, whether it public relations makes sense, you know, talking about you having thought leadership, stuff that's going to provide value, you're called interesting content, content drives everything, mm -hmm. in my opinion, because I love to learn and find things out, and I have a brain I can use, so if there's something there that stimulates me or I can connect with, that's bringing me some value, that will draw me, so it's not to define everybody by me, it's just, mm -hmm. I think that's something where you give somebody a choice, exactly. it's empowering them with what makes sense. Mm. And nowadays, everybody's, if we talked about the internet, 
everybody does their research and we don't need to cite stats. We all know how much is done before you land on someone's website. Mm. So people already know what they want or are looking for. So trying to be a little bit different or present something that you could offer that somebody else can't or that just looks a little bit better if you're me too. So, um, so this I think is really important and the way you write that and present it, however it is through digital marketing or you know, your team talking about it on their own mm. profile or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. So these are things I would think about. You know, you've got to think about your budget. Marketing costs money. And <laughs> there's a lot you can do on not very much. Mm. And, you know, there's, there's a lot you can do with a decent budget. I've had no budget, pretty okay budget, amazing budget. And actually the most impactful stuff is usually when you don't have too much money. And you think you need all these things, but it's really just trying to be a little bit smart about it. So I would probably advise, depending on who it is, if it's they're just starting a business, you're not going to have too much. So I think it's, you know, clearly you've got to have a website presence. Clearly you've got to have a customer who can say a little bit about you. If you can build to that, you know, then you can really start to run and, and then you can do all the different types of marketing you want to do. And, cool. and my ideal is when you do a properly integrated marketing campaign across all the different channels at the same time, have the big bang, but that can cost a little bit of money. So you sometimes have to start small and attach a few things, a few different channels mm. of the marketing mix. So does that Yeah, yeah the question? That was really is the kind of thing we're doing ourselves, so this is good advice for yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. This isn't a free way to get all your consultants <laughs> and you know, get all the extractual knowledge. Um, no, that was really great. And then, actually, I've got two questions. And mm-hmm. I've got a question after that. Yeah. Just <laughs> <laughs> so many questions. Uh, another thing I wanted to ask is, um, would, there, would, would there be anything else you'd want to do with your like, personal, I think, career-wise, aside from marketing? Would you say you'd ever want to be an English teacher? Oh, I thought about it. Well, actually, I wanted to be a primary school teacher before I... at uni. So that didn't work out only because uh, the amount of bureaucracy that went with it. At that time, I was doing some work experience, and I thought, wow, you are spending so much time filling out reports. And I thought that's not really about the teaching or planning to teach and creatively finding ways to do that. So I thought actually that wasn't going to suit me. Um, I forget the question. It was, what was your question again? Anything else you'd want to do? Anything else I'd want to do? Aside from marketing. Um, So I have this lovely dream that I could retire a little bit early, not to fully retire, but to just have more um, quality life, having done a lot of hours. So I would still love to mentally um, yeah. do something, explore something and, and work. But I would really like to be able to step back from doing, you know, the, the five day full <laughs> on week. And I I think it'd be really great to work with other companies where you could just come in and you know give give some advice or think about what they're trying to achieve and maybe work in that way. So not be a consultant because I think that's you know, it's a grand way of talking about stuff. And I, but I think there's um, value to bring some of the experiences I have. Yeah. And I listen. So I think trying to pull through someone's problems and what they might want to do, I think that's important um, to that's do. almost like mentorship in a way. Maybe a little bit of that. Mm. Maybe a little bit of that. 
mentor like yourself or like identify someone who's yeah. yourself and then take them through kind of that journey? I yeah, guess. maybe. I mean, that's one of the things I've really loved. I thought I would love it, but that's what I've really loved about management or even leadership or mm. combo of the two, depending on, mm. you know, the role itself. But yeah. I, I really love seeing showing where something could be and then watching a person get there and kind of just giving a little bit of tips and tricks, not mm. not dictating all the dots, yeah. give the space, but but help guide. So I, help. I really love doing that. And um, I think I've got a little bit better at that than, you know, before where it was, but it should be like this and we could do this and, you know, learning the 80-20 rule of how much time you put into something and how good it needs to be. I think, you know, you can seek perfection. I do, do but you, mm. you can't really always have that. That's um, great. My question was, uh, it's very, something interesting that you mentioned just now um, in terms of the, how you see your customer. Yeah. How has that, if, you know, like your, you know, obviously you meet people when you're at, for example, Network Appliance or when you're at SAP and also the current company that you're in. How has your understanding or your vision or, you know, like, how do you picture your customer and has that evolved since through the roles that you've had, or are, or do we? Is it just a case of a customer is really the same person, or you know how do you how is that image of your not ideal customer but the person who's buying from you changed over the years that you've been um, involved in marketing? Like, is it a matter of morals? Is it a matter of finance? Is it uh, none of those things actually? For me, it would be. How someone feels oh. and what matters to them, mm. and finding something that you might have some commonality on. But putting yourself out a little bit more, you know, go beyond a little bit more. So, examples for me would be when we've wanted to try to encourage a client to talk, I've never seen it as please talk about this company and the technology. I've always seen it as, can we talk about what you're doing, your vision of your company, what you personally also want to achieve? Because then when you understand that, you can recommend things, left-of-field ideas that they might not be exposed to or that come up. And you can also think about their profile, you know, if they would like to speak at a conference but haven't really ever done it before, you know, how you look after them in that process and the opportunities, the building blocks it requires and the trust to do that. It's really interesting when you have a conversation like this and you treat customers like that because then you, you're in a partnership, you've got a relationship and yes. it stops being about money <laughs> it shouldn't be about the values because what you're putting in yeah. is sharing your values and how someone's responding and you know having some fun with it because you know so much stuff is serious yeah and um so i think that for me is what matters when you deal with people people dealing with people and be human about it and be you know have a personality about it um just one follow-up from that how do you like take yourself away from your image of who you're selling to or who you're marketing to. You know, like, you mentioned you may, <clears throat> you have a natural kind of leniency towards emotion or you may have a natural leniency towards X, Y, Z. How do you take that away from your vision of who the customer is? Yeah, 
Or like, how do you step outside of that kind of yourself in a way, you know? And you know, you've had many different roles where you're selling different kind of products. Yeah. Meaning the kind of buyers are really different from yourself. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I think everybody's trying to do better. I think technology, because I've mainly been in technology, I'll talk mm. about technology. I, I feel like technology can enable you, but it's what you do with it. Mm. That's what counts. Mm. And if you can then think about, okay, what is a pro what is a what is the challenge the customer has? But you need the context, because I think it's sometimes too short where what might be the obvious point and might be the one shared with you. If you don't ask why or have more context, you don't know that there's two or three things that may become more important than that. And you uncover things in other areas of a business where you could actually help solve through their leadership and their team and what you could help provide them with. You could actually solve more things and it just opens up more opportunity for, for the client themselves and their team or the business and for their clients or and or yourself working with it in your business. So I think it, it I think it really depends on who they are, but every everybody is really the same. People have different drivers, um, smaller and larger egos, mm. all that kind of thing. But I see past all of that because in the end I see a human being and I see a business and I think about what people are wanting to or think they want to achieve or what they know they want to achieve and it's about joining the dots it's working out and taking the time to do that or think or, or and remembering stuff you know I, I think it's important if someone told me something a year ago I still sort of think back to that or if I heard and it's not that I have this amazing elephant memory but it's just there are some things that stay with me if somebody says I just would love that or could we think about this I think you've got to think about those things and remember those things and carry it through. Another thing I wanted to ask, I think just before we start um, rounding it up and often closing up, do you see yourself in marketing, like continuing, continuing being in the industry, working in the next five, ten years? And if so, where do you see the marketing or digital marketing industry going from here? And how do you currently keep up with the trends and changes that are happening in the industry? That's a big question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to finish. Yeah. Um, I, I think digital marketing's got to be careful because yeah. I, think there, I think there's too much noise. I think it's very distracting. I think you can get too much information, which then, you know, we, technology communication should actually mm. help us and it's hindering yeah. us. And I think this is something which digital marketing needs to be careful of. And six people tell you the same thing, the same statistics or you know how they do it better. So I think it, you've got to be careful how you do it. I think also what comes out as the latest tool and is that actually good in the long run. Yeah. So we can think about how well Twitter did and, yeah. and Facebook, but now look at the journey of both. and. Is, it, is there a time and place for it, or is it just the direction things might have taken, and have you kept your eye on that and how people feel about it? And you, you've got to remember how people feel. And people read stuff and receive stuff in their mindset on that day, 
you don't know the impact it's going to have. So there's got to be this level of responsibility too. And I, I'm a big believer in less is more and let people work some things out for themselves. I think you, you don't want to spoon feed people and push certain things. And I, th I think that's dangerous. So I think that's what digital marketing needs to be a little bit careful about. You know, it's lovely to see new tools as far as keeping up with it. You know, I joke with my team that I'm granny because I'm <laughs> not the highest tech person who knows the latest app. But I, I'm also open-minded. So I know what works old-fashioned style, what works modern, what I think can take off. And it's not being arrogant. It's just there's things about, there's a, there's, it's a balance. It's a, there's, a, there's a place for a lot of things. Mm. And you need to do a lot of things. But I think you need to just be a little bit careful that you don't go too far like anything in life. Wow. And I think that applies to marketing. So I, I love the industry. I, I love marketing. I'm, I think it's a really interesting place to work. And, uh, and I love the banter that goes with it. You know, <laughs> you get good and bad marketing. Sure. You come back with sales. <laughs> you know, you can sound like you're being fluffy. You can sound like you're just putting the lipstick on stuff, all sorts of things. But in <laughs> the end, great content, a human connection, and people happy to be talking with you and loyal with you and, and growing together, I think that's really, really great. Um, just before we get into wrapping up, <coughs> excuse me, um, what advice would you give to like a young CMO or someone who's up and coming um, to really get a grasp of what their role entails? It's a great question because I'm only a few months into being a CMO, okay. so I'm learning. And I will always learn. But I have also hired talent where I've asked the question in an interview, you know, where do you want to be? And I really giggled when this person said, I want to be a CMO. And I'm like, great, I love that. <laughs> so in my opinion, you need to know your craft. I, learned, I didn't do any marketing training courses. I learned from everybody around me, mm. trial and error experimenting, being creative, thinking, doing. I'm not saying that's the way, that's, this was my journey. But I started at the bottom, it didn't matter if I had a degree, it didn't matter if I had a private education, I started at the bottom and worked my way up and worked my way around organizations and different disciplines in marketing. And I think it's great if you can specialize in three or more areas of marketing at least. I think there's a few people that fast track and you can get to the top but not really understand the machinations of it. So the pressure you can apply to a team or an individual can be just too much. But if you know what it takes and you've done it, you understand how, even if I've worked in American software companies for most of my career and this drive and this speed and pace is intense and it's not for everybody, but it, I've appreciated it and I learned a lot from it. But you need to understand still how things come to life, how teams need to operate, learn the craft of you know, really running an event. If you can do a really good event in marketing, I think you understand marketing. It has everything in it, from the experience, the danger, the risk, the great content, the preparing of speakers, just everything, how you market it, having people there on the day, who would like to be associated as an industry leader, the market leaves, you know, this sort of thing. I think you need to understand it. And I think going too quickly into a role 
you will not be richer for it, in my opinion. I think it's worth having a bit of time and graft. Um, with that in mind, are you looking forward to speaking at flight <laughs> on the 8th of October? I'm extremely nervous <laughs> about speaking at flight. Um, mainly because I usually am behind the scenes. And so this is a role where I'm more in front of the scenes. Yeah. So I've got to get over myself in that way. Well, I'm one speaker. <laughs> We're in amongst, you know, distinguished companies. So it's, it's intimidating. But I, you've got, I've got to push myself a little bit. And um, it was extremely nice to be trusted with doing that. So I hope I... I hope I do justice to the person who invited me to it. But um, yeah, I'm a little bit nervous about it, I'll be honest. And, and I also, I always worry, do I give enough good information for people? And, and um, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it will be great. Um, should we do our last question? Um, maybe one second. What, one more? <laughs> um, if you could have a billboard uh, in a CPD surface and you had one sentence, could be about anything. What would that be? Advice for anyone? Oh, so random. What's the first thing that comes to mind? I'm thinking it would be something like care, consider, do it, and don't have a regret. But take people with you. Don't think it's just about you. It never is. And it, it shouldn't be. Yeah. I think it, you can be so strong um, with others. But if you think it's about you, I, I think that is really sad. Leave your mark. And Tom always says to me, you know, imagine a beach and you've got the footsteps going across the beach and you look back and you can kind of see your path. I think it's a really nice way to think about things that you do. You know, you do leave your mark on the world and on people and I feel like it would be nice that you, you brought something positive to someone or group of people and you can be remembered for that and you can inspire that in others. So it's not one sentence but this is the kind of thing I would I'd like to leave. We could have like one you of those know. electric sliding the sliding <laughs> uh, yeah. Only for English for graduates, I think that because you know there's worthy people so that's good. Yeah, I, I told you I'm not great at summarizing. This is something I would have loved to have told myself at uni. <laughs> what what did you do your thesis uh, on? We uh, I don't think we did a thesis actually. We had to study three authors. Austin was one of my chosen authors. You know, I'm that old I can't remember, which is shocking. No, that's what I was just curious. Yeah. No, it's alright. Okay, our last question is how can someone get in contact with you? LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Sarah. Yeah, thank you. Um, Amazing. We may have overrun by 20 minutes or so. Uh, and we have taken away so many takeaways from this conversation. Um, some great advice, uh, not just from you know your early uh, background, but also how you got into it, and also lots of things that people can learn um, from. Life lessons. Life lessons, yeah. Um, so we are very, very thankful for your time. Well, thank and you. It's a brilliant initiative. I didn't know what to expect, but um, I love the way you've approached it. And I think it's so nice to have this kind of thing out there for people if they want to tune in and listen to a little bit. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.
So just to get everyone comfortable and for people to know a little bit about yourself, we're going to introduce our rapid-fire questions. Beach or city break? City break. Card or cash? Card. Mm. Summer or winter? Summer. London summer. Ooh. <laughs> Last year, yes. <laughs> um, morning, noon or night? Morning. Favourite TV show of all time? Oh, that's a really hard one. Mm. Oh, I'm going to have to come back to that. That's all right. Thanks, oh. straight away. <laughs> Pepsi or Coke? Neither. That's all right. <laughs> um, which Friends character would you be if you've seen the show? Oh, I definitely know the show. Um, which would I be? I would probably be a blend of Rachel and Monica. Okay. I don't think I'm exclusive to one. <laughs> um, Favourite movie? I love Shawshank Redemption. Oh, that is a good, a good one. one. We studied that in school. Uh, who would play you in a film? Oh, great question. Hmm. Who would I like to play me in a film? <laughs> um, I'm quite quirky. I always thought someone like Meg Ryan or Elizabeth Shue. If you know them, yeah. I'm not sure if that's still current, but at one point I thought maybe. No, I like that. Favourite place you've ever been to? I loved Alaska, and it wasn't somewhere oh, wow. I could imagine going. It's a very unusual But it's a one. fantastic place to go, really loved it. How come you ended up going to Alaska? It was a dream holiday for uh, my partner and his two girls, and they just were planning it for a few years and I joined their life and one day it was, shall we just go? And I'm like, yeah, let's go. And yeah, it was a fantastic trip. Wow. Really, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Lovely people and, and enormous. You know, I definitely recommend you plan your trip wisely. Wow. <laughs> because you can be driving a lot. Wow. So. What was the last book you read? Last book I read, oh, I wish I had more time to read. I think it was a business book. When I joined Evora, I wanted to get into Series A <laughs> startup environment, so I read four in the first well, five oh, weeks of Scott being Galloway. in the company. Hmm? Uh, Professor Scott Galloway. Um, I, oh, I'm trying yeah. to remember all the names now. It just feels like a bit of a blur, sorry. Not a great answer. That's his book. I, 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 um, I haven't read it yet, but it's uh, in my, it's in okay. my list. Okay, okay. It's really funny, this, uh, this, uh, this author. Yeah. I'm, one of my favourite books, though, it's not the last one I read, but The Secret History by Donna Tartt, I thought oh. was a fantastic ah, book. That's a good one. You need to get through the first five chapters, but then it really takes off, and that really captured my imagination. Uh, it goes back to your education. Yeah, it does, it does. <laughs> and and the, um, the other one I loved was the... Uh, they've got two names for it, and it's an English author. The Other Hand. The other hand, I okay. oh, That's a brilliant book. I loved it. Oh, I love that read. What is the strangest thing you've ever eaten? Oh. <laughs> I had to eat in Mexico to be polite and try the delicacies, and I think it was grasshopper or... Oh, um, oh wow. Insects. It, yeah. They were cooked. It wasn't live, but still, <laughs> it wasn't... Yeah, what was the it was texture? a bit different. Crunchy. I, I, I hate to say it was delicious, but it was quite, quite oh. good, actually. But I, it's not something I would you know, do again, but I, I, I joined in. That's all right. That's quite cool. Um, what is your biggest addiction? Chocolate. 
Dark or light? Dark. Oh. I had to force dark because I thought I could eat more of that, less <laughs> calories, so I switched. That's all right, that's all right. Um, what is the most interesting thing you own? Own? Yeah. Oh, what a great question. Most interesting thing I own? Hmm. Oh, wow. It's quite a tough question. This is a really it's tough one. Tough. You always get to our yeah. Okay, this is something I really love. We've got at home a Finnish grill coater, which is a barbecue house in the garden. Okay. And it is the most fun, far evening, relaxed, have friends. It's maybe not the exact answer you're looking for, but no. it's, it's just a place to really relax, chill out, and um, it's warm, it's vibrant, and yeah, a lot of memories. And you don't have all the kind of electricity, and yeah. you can just sit there, have your fire, and you can sleep in it if you want. And yeah, we oh, love that. That's really nice. Do you have a huge house there? Um, <laughs> no, it's not a huge house, but it doubled in size because it was a little um, two up, two down cottage and when Tom and I got together we you know the, the family expanded and we we thought we, we need an extra room and then we had the mistake but it wasn't really a mistake of having an architect help us decide on this oh, extra room yeah. well it, it wasn't quite as flashy as the program but it became this bigger project and and it was a bit of a shock because the first words he said we could move the kitchen and then I really thought oh wow okay, this is not at all what we were expecting but as he pointed out, his job is here to come and help you with your space and make it viable for you and a better layout and, you know, financially better and set you up for the future. Yeah. He was spot on. I mean, it was the best decision we made. Absolutely oh, wow. love it. But it's, yeah, for sure it's not an enormous house, but it was bigger than what we had. Oh. That's great. We're, we're just, that was one of the teaser questions that we had. We were like, shall we just start with that? <laughs> yeah, actually, I've got eight tennis courts, oh huge swimming pool. <laughs> yeah, that's how CMOs roll, right? <laughs> some, yeah, some. I've been to some CMO houses, yeah, I've got a bit of a way to go. <laughs> um, what is the most used app on your phone? Oh, so I'm not a big app user. I probably use the train line a lot. Wow. <laughs> uh, WhatsApp, I think I use quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm not, yeah. I'm not really that. All right. I don't play games and things. That's okay. I don't. Do you play games, sons? Uh No. I. I. You know what? On the tube, I actually uh, email people. Oh, when yeah. it's the Wi-Fi port yeah. in. Yeah, I definitely do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a. It's a good way to just get a chunk of emails done That's and true. out of the way. Um, yeah. I, find. I always catch up on news too. Definitely. Mm. Okay. Next question. What is your proudest achievement? Um, another good question. I'm, I love being part of the last two companies I worked for because we went from startup to, well, we just did, the, it was just a huge journey as a mm. team. And we had a great leadership team in both and passionate about the solution and what difference it could make. Mm. So from a work perspective, I'm really proud of being part of Success Factors journey and ServiceMax as well. Wow, that's great. I like that. Oh, what about your personals? Uh, personally, I'm, I'm really glad I waited for Tom. You know, it took me a while to meet him and oh. the girls. And so I feel like that was 
something that was worth the wait, you know, worth the journey, because, you know, love life can be an interesting journey for a lot of people, and when you work hard too. So that's, that's something I feel really good about, and yeah. hope I invest enough time to keep that strong and yeah. loving and, yeah, bring to others what, what I get to. Nice. Yeah, that's great. What was one of the most spontaneous things you've ever done? Or have done? One of the most spontaneous things I did <laughs> was actually resign from oh, a wow. job. And I did that based on an individual and a behaviour on a day that I thought, wow, okay, that's something that doesn't oh. sit with my values and I just didn't feel I wanted to be part of that. Wow. Um, and that was very early on in my career and I thought I just don't want to be part of that. And um, I was working in the record industry, so it's, it comes with oh, it, wow. its own colour. But it was yeah. just, you know, there's just some things that need to connect. And I absolutely loved my time, but it wasn't something that I felt good about. Mm. And um, in that particular role, I was a personal assistant to somebody and the department. Mm. And it was just a point where you thought, yeah, you know, some behaviour just, <laughs> that's just not right. It's not right. So yeah. that was a pretty spontaneous decision. Yeah, that's great. That's a proud achievement in, yeah. a, in, a, in a per, you know, like especially when you're so so young or early in your career to take that kind of stance. That's really, it's really. And big. it started when I was this big. I have a line and I have real morals and integrity and I like fairness. And I remember, and my mum always reminds me of some of these stories. I think I was about seven sitting in the front of a car and I had the seatbelt on, but I, because I'm little, I had it under my arm. So it was on, but just not cutting yeah. my neck. And a policeman pulled up on the motorbike and banged on the window. And my mum wasn't quite sure what was going on and pulled over. And he was your child who got her seatbelt on. And my mum was just thinking, how could I have missed that? You know, you could feel that was in her, but she didn't say anything. And she said, of course it's on and looked at me. And I was sitting there, but he thought that the two of us had managed somehow with him pulled up alongside to have put the seatbelt on. And I just chirped up at seven. I've, I've had my seatbelt on the whole time. I'm just little. Wow. And I just had it under my arm and my mum's jaw was just on the floor of, you know, this is a policeman and you're seven and... <laughs> but I've just been like that. I don't like unfairness. And yeah. I think, you know, I don't pull up people on lots of things. It's just some things I think, oh, no, hang on. This isn't and there was an incident at school, same thing, where I thought, no, I'm going to stand up for something. And mm. I did. And it changed something that happened the next day. You know, it was... I was lucky enough to go through private education, so... We had a situation where an incident occurred and then everybody got tarnished with the same uh, impact of, well, we're going to take away your privileges if you've earned something. Mm. And it was a silly thing, you know, you could just go out, this is going to sound crazy, but you could just go out up the high street at lunchtime yeah. at a certain age mm. and you couldn't before then and this was a privilege. And uh, it was removed because of someone, but everybody had it removed. So I just went up the next morning and gave my... We, it was like a little ribbon we had, and I just handed it in and said, I don't want this anymore. And the next day, it was reinstated for all those that weren't affected, because, you know, you can't tarnish everybody yeah. with the act of one person. Mm. And so this was another example. So I think, you know, there's many times where I've just had an occasional, you know, yeah. we could just consider this. Mm. <laughs> but sometimes you have to stand up for, mm. for others, and yeah. I, I think I'm that person. I agree. I agree. Yeah. It's how you live your life. 
Yeah, I think it is, and I don't think there's enough people like that. I think people have become very selfish and very inward, and mm. I don't like bullying of any kind. And you know, I've been through myself that, and I've seen others and stood up for others, and yeah. and I think it's something that you you know, it takes some strength to say something, and you don't pick everything, but there are some things you should stand up for, and I th I think more people could be encouraged to have have that courage of their conviction. Mm. I agree, hundred percent. Um, do you have a favourite cheese? A favourite cheese? I love cheddar. Okay. <laughs> mature or...? Mature and oh, extra yeah. mature. Oh, wow. I love yeah. mature. Yeah, and I really love German mountain cheese. Oh, it, nice. I love it all going skiing or... And, yeah, delicious. Okay. Um, in one sentence, how would you sum up the internet? I think the internet is the access to another world from you and a great way to communicate and share, but I also think it's a dangerous place to be mm. and spend too much time on. I agree. Wow. Mm. Good and the bad. Good mm. and the bad, exactly. Well, yeah, like life. Yeah. You can't have one way or the other. Never. Yeah. But it's the balance. And I, I think there's too many people who go too far in anything, too many positive things which can impact people and too many negative, negative things. Ways, yeah. yeah, I think both, you know, you might think it's fantastic what you're sharing, but I think it can also make other people feel uncomfortable. Mm. Sure. I think it's a balance with everything. Yeah, I agree. It's extremes in a way, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Do you have a spirit animal? What is a your what? Spirit, a spirit animal? A spirit animal? Yeah. What do you, what do you mean by that? So... Like a uh, mascot? Yes, yeah, like a... a an animal, a person, um, a, an object, a thing that sort of represents your personality or your characteristics. Oh, gosh. Like, um, some people will say, I'm like a tiger because... Um, <laughs> Leos will uh, say that. Yeah, like a lion, you're a lion. Yeah. Oh, if I was to describe myself like an animal rather yeah. than it be my spiritual sure. thing, I think I'm like a dog. Oh, and that is because I work hard. Loyal. I'm loyal. loyal. Yeah, I... I think I can, um, I hope this doesn't sound arrogant, I don't mean it at all like yeah. that, but I, I think I um, can bring an energy to a room and, you know, bring some fun, um, but I also watch for warnings and act like that and, um, you know, like to be part of the family and, yeah, I think... That's like would... a really great description. Yeah, it's... If like... you think about it, like self-awareness in terms of... Yeah being accepting of who you are, your sort of... Yeah, I might do too much of that, I think. No! I sometimes, you know, I like to try and improve still. Which is good. I think I think it's good to be open-minded yeah. and, and challenge yourself a little bit and be receptive. And I think the older I've got, the less I've worried so much about what other people think. But I've also wanted to explore more things. Mm. I haven't really wanted to be cocooned. And um, I, I, think, I think it's in my DNA for that. Cool. Mm. That's such sound advice. I think if I had to look at that, it's just stop worrying about what people think of you and experience new things. And that's a wrap. Be sure to check out some of our other episodes. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.